listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I wanted to take today and talk about this, um, how to position yourself for a life of breakthroughs. Um, Because that's, that's really what we're preparing ourselves for through fasting and prayer. And by the way, as you're coming on live with us, take a minute to share this broadcast with others because this is for uh, everybody. This is for everybody. And, 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 and let me say this as well. If you're watching on the replay, let us know that you're watching on the replay. There's a lot of people that watch these after the fact. And so I want to encourage you that God has a plan to bless you nonstop, consistently nonstop. If there's something that we've taught often, it is this, that the life of the believer should be marked with nonstop increase. The life of the believer should be marked with nonstop increase. Uh, In fact, I want you to put that phrase in the comments, nonstop increase. That's what you're believing for. That's what we're believing for. There should never be down years. It should be constant increase until Jesus comes. You know, one of the things I was just thanking the Lord for, because this is, this is our prayer. You know, years ago, you know, when I was a young preacher, young believer, not even thinking it through, I used to just pray and say, God, uh, give us the largest harvests this year that we've ever had. But then the Lord spoke to me about this in, in my spirit and through the word and said, don't pray that anymore. That, that prayer is really um, an ineffective prayer. I said, why is it an ineffective prayer? And the Lord began to show me that all harvests are only answers, not to prayers, to seeds that you've sown. All harvests are answers, not to prayers, but to seeds that you've sown. So I changed my praying. And my prayer became, Lord, put the largest seeds in our hands that we've ever sown. That's what my prayer became. And that's what my prayer still is today. Lord, put the largest seeds in my hand that we've ever sown. Why? Because the Bible says he gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. God is the one who provides your seed to sow. So I started saying that. Lord, give us the largest seeds we've ever sown this year. And do you know, since I started praying that, God has been faithful to always allow us to sow the largest amount into his kingdom every year than we did the previous year. And it's been never ending increase because see, when he knows that you're a sower, I like, I like the way that, uh, pastor Mark Hankins says this. He said, if you'll get addicted to sowing, God will support your habit. (laughs) I like that. If you'll get addicted to sowing, God will support your habit. And that's what he does. He gives seed to the sower and the Lord has continued to do that. You know, I can remember sowing uh, seeds that were large to me at the time and thinking, man, I don't know how we're ever going to surpass this seed. And then God would give us more to sow. And then I'd sow that and think, man, I don't know how we're going to ever surpass this seed. And then God would do it again. And this two nights ago, 
at our New Year's Eve service, we once again sowed the largest seed we've ever sown in the history of our ministry. And it'll continue that way because the life of the believer should be marked by never ending increase. Faithfulness, obedience, being led by the Spirit, it leads to never ending increase. The path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. And so that's our story. And so that's why I wanted to take this broadcast and talk to you about how to position yourself for a life of breakthroughs, constant, all the time. It's not that you're, uh, and I do want to say this because I've heard it preached, you know, you people, it keeps people in a place of like desperation and, you know, like, I know you're in need of a miracle. You may not be in need of a miracle uh, to survive, meaning you may not be like in, in need of a miracle to pay your mortgage or rent or in need of a miracle so you don't die, but you do need the miracles of God to continue pushing forward, even especially in this wicked world we're living in with the antichrist system pushing in from every direction. You need to operate in the supernatural. Every Christian needs to be operating at a supernatural level. And so we do need the miracles of God. We do need never-ending increase. And so um, that's why I wanted to teach this, how to position your life. These are just habits. I'm going to give you seven things today, seven things that will help you and position you for in fact, this might even get added. I was thinking this morning as I was writing this out, this might be added to the, the queue of books that I need to write uh, because people ask all the time, I don't know why I'm not seeing increase. I don't know why I'm not seeing breakthrough. Well, I'm going to give you seven things that are habits that you need to just put in your life and it produces breakthroughs consistently, a life of breakthroughs. And so as I give you these seven things, I'll take you through the word of God and show you how it does. Um, but we need to expect constant breakthrough into next levels, next levels. We go from faith unto faith, from victory unto victory, favor unto favor. Everything increases. In fact, before I read the first verse that I, I had written down, let me once again um, read to you Psalm chapter one, which is not, there's not chapters in Psalms, it's just the first Psalm, Psalm one. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, this should be, I'm sure you've memorized this by now. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now look at the, this is the blessing, verse 3. And he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in all that he does, he prospers. There it is. So you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. What does that mean? Pulling never ending sustenance and substance from the root into yourself. That's what happens when you position yourself in the way of the godly. You're like a tree planted by streams of water. You're pulling resource, pulling substance, pulling sustenance, strength, power into yourself through that godliness. And then the Bible says you'll bear fruit in your season. So there'll never be a season when you're not bearing fruit. 
There'll never be a season where you're not bearing fruit and your leaves will not wither. You know what that means? You'll not diminish. You'll not get weaker. You'll not go to a place where you go start moving backwards. You'll not, you're not going to fail. You're moving forward. And then finally, in all that he does, he prospers. That should be your story in Jesus' name. In all that he does, he prospers. Amen. And so, uh, that's what we're believing for. A life of never-ending breakthroughs. So, I want to give you these seven things today. Uh, and I want you to write them down. I want you to get the scriptures if you can. And, and we'll talk about this. Seven things that I've identified in the word of God that position you for a life of breakthroughs. Are you ready? Number one, and you can put them in the comments because people watch these later and they're looking at the comments. Number one, humble yourself. That is foundational. That is key. Number one, humble yourself. If you want to see that kind of constant breakthrough, constant increase, constant blessing, humble yourself. And I'm talking about the biblical way. That's number one. Say, what do you mean by that? Humble yourself. Well, let's read it. I'm in James chapter four. I'm gonna give you several verses of scripture on this, but James chapter four, verses six through eight, um, the Bible and verse 10, I read these last night as well. The Bible says, but God gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see that? So he opposes proud people and gives more grace to those that are humble. Verse seven, submit yourselves therefore. And I said this last night, when you see a therefore in the scripture, hermeneutically speaking, this is the study of scripture. You need to find out what it's there for. What's he, what's he saying there for? Well, God opposes the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore. You know what he's saying? If you want to be humble, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You can't resist the devil if you're not submitted to God. So if you want to be humble, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. You see that? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now look at verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. He will exalt you. You say, well, what's the, what's the way that you humble yourself before the Lord? How do you do that? You do it. How do you submit yourself, therefore, to God? Like the Bible says, the way you do it is to obey his word. That's the, that is the clearest definition of humbling yourself. Obey God's word. Obey God's word. And so um, humbling yourself uh, is really having this understanding, like the Bible says, See, because there's things that you might think, no, this is the way to go. But God's wisdom is higher than our wisdom. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, that as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. Amen. And so no matter what part of life uh, you're applying that to, God's ways are higher. I don't care what it is. Do you know that thought process affects every area of life? So, uh, like, let me give you something that's very prominent today. The argument is very prominent, especially now in churches, sadly. You know, even with, like, for example, something as um, common today as, like, same-sex marriage. 
same-sex marriage. Well, uh, there's people that'll make the argument, well, love is love, which I don't even know what that means, but love is love. And if these people want to be married and they love each other, you need to just let them do what they want. Well, here's the deal. I'm not the one who created or instituted marriage. God did. And he defined what it is. It's one man and one woman. And so his ways are higher than my ways. I don't care how much somebody comes to me and says, well, they love each other and they're going to be faithful to one another and they're going to be, you know, whatever. I don't care. I didn't create the institution. God did. I didn't define the institution. God did. And one thing I have to recognize is that his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So we don't get to redefine God's ways and thoughts. His are higher than ours. The verse, Kim, is Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. So when we humble ourselves, what we're really doing is saying, God's ways are higher than my ways. God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts in every area. And so I wanted to show you something. Humility is the key to inheritance and to, into greatness. Of course, you know Matthew chapter 5. And verse 5, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness, humility, those are the keys to inheritance. Meekness and humility. Um, I, I remember Bishop David Oyedepo pointed this out one time. It blew my mind. I'd never seen it before. But um, he started with Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, if you're looking for the reference. Numbers chapter 12 and verse number three. And he tied these two verses together. I had never seen it before. I want to share it with you today. Numbers 12, three, the Bible says, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Okay, there's Numbers 12, three. The man Moses was very meek more than all the people on the face of the earth. He was the meekest man in the world. Think about that. The meekest man in the world. Well then, Bishop Oyedepo jumped back to Exodus chapter 11 and verse three. Morning, Glenn, love you. And look what Exodus eleven three says. It says, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So do you see that? The man who was very meek is the man who became very great. Notice, again, that is James 4.10 in action. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will, what? Exalt you. He will exalt you. The meekest man became the greatest man. The meekest man became the greatest man. Very powerful thought. And so when you begin to see this, humility is the key to greatness. It's the key to increase. It's the key to nonstop breakthroughs. Because God looks at you and sees that you're in your heart you say, your ways are higher. Exodus 12, 3. So it's Numbers 11, 3 and Exodus 12, 3. I'm, I'm sorry, it's, it's backwards. Numbers 12, 3 
Exodus 11.3, sorry. Numbers 12.3, Exodus 11.3. That's powerful. The meekest man became the greatest man. Humility, meekness, these are the keys to God exalting you, to God lifting you up head and shoulders above the rest. Humility. See, pride, I love this because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so, according to James, pride makes God your opponent. (laughs) That's a dangerous place to be, man. Pride makes God your opponent. I do not want God stiff-arming me. I don't want God as my opponent. You know why? The Bible says, if God is for you, tell me who can be against you. But if God's against you, if you take the reverse of that, if God's against you, who can be for you? Nobody. I don't care if the government's for you. I don't care if corporations are for you, if the culture's for you. If God's against you, nobody can be for you. Nobody. And so humility positions you for the blessings of God, the miracles of God, the hand of God to be active in your life. Well, let's jump down to number two. Number two, by, by extension, right, is holiness. And I'm going to read you some verses on that. Holiness is number two. This is the second um, habit that positions you for supernatural breakthroughs. Let me read to you Psalm 84, verses 10 and 11. So number two, holiness. Listen now, Psalm 84, verses 10 and 11. The Bible says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand days elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Why? Well, verse 11 explains why. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, right? Though I don't care how majestic they look, those in the tents of wickedness cannot bestow favor and honor. They are not a sun and a shield, but our God is a sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. And look at this. And no good thing does he withhold from those who, who walk uprightly. Hallelujah. From those who walk uprightly. And so here's the key. Holiness. Those who walk uprightly, there's not one good thing that'll be held back. Not one good thing that'll be held back from you. Matthew 6.33 says the same. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Jamie, that's Psalm 84, verses 10 and 11. And then I just quoted Matthew 6, 33. Psalm 84, verses 10 and 11, and then Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. All these, what things? It's talking, if you read the whole context, Jesus is actually referring to natural things. Where will we live What will we wear? What will we eat? Jesus said, don't worry about those things. That's what the unbeliever does. That's what the the heathen, the pagan does. But no, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. You see that? So really holiness 
living for the Lord opens up unending blessings. Unending blessings. It's supernatural. Job chapter 36 and verse 11. Job 36 verse 11. Here's another verse that says the same thing. If they listen and serve him, that is God, they will complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness, or one translation says in pleasures. They will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. What's the key? If they obey and serve him. If they obey and serve him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. Well, you know this. This is what the Lord spoke to his people all the way back in Deuteronomy 28. He told the nation of Israel the same thing. The same thing. Listen to Deuteronomy 28, and I'll just read a few verses. I could read the whole 14, because you know this, the blessings. But notice the stipulation. Deuteronomy 28.1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings, verse 2, shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then starts from 3 to 14, he lists all the blessings. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed going in, blessed coming out, blessed in your basket, blessed in your storehouse. I mean, goes through them all. But what's the stipulation? If you faithfully obey the commandments that I give to you this day, the Lord will set you on high above the nations of the earth. Well, let me tell you something. We're under a better covenant now with better promises. Don't tell me God will do more for his people in the Old Testament than he would do for his people in the New Testament. In fact, did you know that Jesus said this? He said, of all men that were born of women, none was greater than John the Baptist. Jesus said that. Of all those that have been born of women, none is greater than John the Baptist. But then Jesus said this, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. Man, that's powerful. Of all that were born of women, none is greater than John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom. So Jesus said, when you come into the kingdom of God, when you become part of the family of God, even the least member in the kingdom, the least member in the body of Christ is greater than the greatest man in the Old Testament covenant. That right there will make you shout. That's powerful, man. The least member of the body of Christ is far greater than the greatest man in the old covenant. We have a better covenant established upon better promises. Very, very powerful thought. So the key here is that, number one, humble yourself. Number two, we stand in holiness. We stand in holiness. It positions us for constant breakthroughs. Constant breakthroughs. Number three, number three, prayer. Now, some of these things you say, you may know them, but let me tell you something. 
Just because people know to do things doesn't mean they do them. Just because people know they should do things, it doesn't mean they do them. I was talking to somebody one time and they were doing a leadership uh, uh, meeting and, I, and uh, they came back from teaching I said, and I was doing a separate uh, breakout session. And I said to them at lunch, I said, what did, what, did you, uh, what did you teach to the leaders? And they said, well, I taught them on, you know, how to be, uh, you know, anointed, constantly effective. I said, so what type of things did you cover? Like prayer and, and he said, no, no, I didn't, I didn't cover prayer. He's like, I hate when in leadership meetings, people teach that, t- try to tell people to pray. He was like, well, you're assuming that just because somebody's in a leadership position, they have a consistent prayer life. But that's not the key, the, the case. Many leaders, many leaders do not have a consistent prayer life. In fact, statistics even show us now, many leaders, I'm talking about Christian leaders, preachers, pastors, have never even read the Bible all the way through. <laughs> many have never even done that. So don't just assume because somebody's a Christian that they have a consistent, powerful prayer life. And that's why I'm teaching you because you are leaders, those that are watching this. You're called to lead. Just because somebody's a Christian doesn't mean they have a consistent, powerful prayer life. But we should. Because prayer is one of the things that breaks loose those uh, turnarounds and breakthroughs that we're believing for. No question about it. No question about it. And the flesh doesn't want to pray. That's why we're fasting and praying. We're, We're subduing the flesh for these 21 days. Jesus had to teach this to his disciples. Uh, this, again, this is number three, prayer. This is under number three, prayer. But if you go to Matthew 26, they're in the garden. And Jesus has to teach his disciples because, they, again, they are not praying like they should. They're sleeping while Jesus is praying. And so they go into the garden, and finally he comes back to talk to them, wakes them up. He said, you couldn't even watch with me for one hour? Not even one hour? He's rebuking them, see. But look at verse 41, Matthew 26, 41. This is a key thought from Jesus. He said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, look, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. So what was Jesus' reason for prayer in this passage. He said, one of the reasons you need to watch and pray is so that you do not enter into temptation. Again, kicking us back to the first two, humility and holiness. Matthew 26, 41. It's Matthew 26, 41. Again, it kicks us back. Why are we praying in this context? Because Jesus told us that if we will pray, then we won't enter into temptation. Um, Bishop Oyedepo said it this way one time, if you're not prayerful, you'll be sinful. If you're not prayerful, you'll be sinful. So Jesus is saying that if you'll enter into prayer, watch and pray, then you'll not enter into temptation. Because the spirit, of course, is willing, but the flesh is weak. Galatians 5.17 teaches us that. The flesh and the spirit are constantly at war with one another. They're constantly at war, pulling you in different directions. But Jesus promised, if you would discipline yourself to pray, then what's going to happen? You won't enter into temptation. But did you know even prayer is a sign of your humility? 
the first thing we talked about. Even prayer, it's a sign of your humility. And this is a famous verse that I'm sure you've heard before. I'll read it again to you. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Listen to this. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Well, of course, that's not written to Christians. That's written to the Old Testament uh, children of God who were living in wicked ways. It's not written to Christians. But notice the principle there that one of the things that shows humility is that you humble yourself and pray. Humble yourself and pray and seek his face. So one of the things that's happening when we're praying is that we're humbling ourselves. We won't enter into temptation, but we're humbling ourselves. What are we saying? God, we need your help. We need your word. We need your leading, your guidance, right? I need it. That's why I'm praying. I need to hear your voice. I need your empowerment. I need your assistance. I need your intervention. That's what we're doing when we pray. And the Bible teaches us one of the reasons we don't have what we're believing for is because we don't ask for it. Book of James tells us that we don't have because we don't ask. Did you ever think the, maybe the only thing holding back your breakthrough is the fact that you've not asked God in faith for the thing you're believing for? And this is why the devil works so hard to get people to believe they don't deserve what they're believing for or that God uh, is upset at them or God wouldn't grant that request or that, that you know others are dealing with more and so you shouldn't ask for those types of things. You should just, no. And so he keeps you from asking. But the Bible's clear. You don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. That's why prayer is so powerful. God wants you to ask. God wants you to seek him. God wants you to pray. That's why the Bible's clear in the book of Philippians that we are supposed to make our requests known. Not unto men, unto God. Make your requests known unto God. That's why I don't believe in unspoken prayer requests. I don't believe in unspoken prayer requests. I make my requests known unto God. I have an unspoken. How would I even know to pray for someone that doesn't, that hasn't uh, uh, <laughs> an unspoken? How would I know how to pray? Maybe they need healing. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they need breakthroughs in their mind. They're battling anxiety, depression, fear. I don't know. I can't properly pray uh, for unspoken prayer requests. It's actually James chapter 4, uh, verse 2, for those that are asking. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And then he goes on to say, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly, to spend it on your own passions, you adulterous people. So notice that our intention has to be right. It's not out of greed. I'm not asking out of greed. I'm not asking out of covetousness. I'm not asking out of selfishness. I am blessed to be a blessing. I am, I am experiencing increase so that I can impact my generation, so that I may be a blessing. And God wants to bless us. So we, we don't have many times because we don't ask. 
But prayer, one of the things, this isn't the only thing you do in prayer, but one of the things that you do in prayer is make your requests known to God. He wants to answer. Here's what people fail to realize. God's eyes are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. If you didn't know that, if you're taking notes and you want this uh, scripture reference, if you didn't know that, it's 1 Peter 3.12. 1 Peter 3.12 tells us that. Let me read it to you. God's eyes are on you. His ears are open to your prayers all the time, all the time. Listen to this, 1 Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So catch that. His eyes are on you and his ears are open to your prayers. Well, well for what purpose? Because he wants to answer your prayers. That's why. He wants to answer your prayers. And this is actually a verse as well. John 16, 24. I'm giving you this. These are habits. I'm just, I'm really giving you the skeleton outline of this so that you can see it and you can employ it in your own life. This is John, the gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus said this. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. What's he saying? I want to answer your prayers. I want your joy to be full. So if you'll ask in my name, you'll receive so that your joy may be full. One of the things that God wants to do is to answer your prayers so that you'll be filled with joy. Wants you to be filled with joy. So notice, as we pray, God's eyes are on us. His ears are open to our prayers. And he wants to answer our prayers. That's why he wants you to make your requests known. Make your requests known. In fact, let me flip over there. Because there's more to that that I want to show you before we move on. Book of Philippians. Chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Look at this now. Philippians chapter 4. And I'll start with verse 4. And we'll read all the way through verse 7. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Again, for those taking notes, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness, or as the footnote of my Bible says, your gentleness. Let your gentleness or reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now look at verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Not, let me tell you, don't look at the news, don't look at the government, don't look at the world, don't look at the culture, don't look at the economy and get anxious. Don't get fearful. I'm not worried about anything. I don't care what the gas prices go to. I don't care what they say the scarcity is going to be. I don't care if there's war and rumors of war. I refuse to worry. Be anxious. 
be fearful about anything. Why? Because if I do get anxious, fearful, worried, I am disobeying a clear command from the Holy Spirit. See, I don't think people know this because it's not taught often. But anxiety, fear, and worry is a sin. I know that's a bomb that just got dropped. Anxiety, fear, worry, it's a sin. Say what? It's a sin. It's a sin. Because the Bible says here, do not be anxious about anything. You're not, as a Christian, you're not allowed to be afraid. You're not called to be afraid. Worried about what's to come. Fearful. I mean, look, the Apostle Paul got a prophetic word from Agabus. If you go there, they're going to bind you up. They're going to take you captive and they're going to kill you. Paul said, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. I'll go right now. I'll go right now. You're not called to be afraid. You're not called to be afraid. Do not be anxious about anything. Not anything. Did you see what the gas prices are going up to? Did you hear about, the, did you hear about what they're going to do? Did you, hear, did you see the economy? I'm not called to be anxious. That's right, Dana. It is the opposite of faith. It's the opposite of faith. Because here's the deal. If I trust the Lord and I trust his word, that he's going to take care of me, what do I care what the surroundings look like? He'll just get more glory. Because when it looks the worst, he's still taking care of me to the place where I'm in uh, abundance. I don't care. You're in the middle of a famine, and here's, here's Elijah. God takes him right next to the brook called Kareth. He drinks fresh water as much as he wants. And then when he's hungry, ravens bring him morsels of meat and bread. In the midst of the worst, he still has more than enough. God can take care of you. I'm not called to be anxious. I refuse to disobey the word of God and be fearful and anxious. I refuse to do that. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, thank you Jesus, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We got to break this down. We got to break this down. Look at this now. So in the midst of a time when you could be anxious, when you could be fearful, when you could be in uh, doubt and depression, unbelief, look, he said, instead, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So couple your prayer with thanksgiving. Start thanking God for all he's done for you. Start thanking God for everything that he's provided. Start thanking him for all the things he did in 2022. Start thanking him for what his word says. Thank him for what he's about to do. Include that in your prayers. And look at this. As you are doing that and making your requests known unto God, then the peace of God, hallelujah, which surpasses all understanding, will guard will guard, will guard, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there is an element of prayer that brings you into the peace of God 
that surpasses natural understanding. So what does that mean? It means that supernatural peace is not the same as natural peace. Because natural peace only comes in peaceful situations. You have to be in a peaceful situation. Finally, all that drama's over, I can go back to peace again. No, that's natural peace. Supernatural peace is activated even in, the, in situations where you should be the most anxious, the most fearful, the most depressed. Then peace, the peace of God kicks in and it surpasses human understanding. What does that mean? Peace that passes human understanding. It means that people will look at you and the environment and not understand how you're so peaceful. How in the world do you have so much peace in the midst of everything that's going on? I don't understand it. I don't understand how you're so calm. How are you so calm with all this going? Because I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried. People will think you border on irresponsibility because you're so uh, carefree, if you will. I'm not, I'm not going to worry. I'm not sitting up all night wondering how I'm going to make it. No, the peace of God, look, look what it does. It sur- not only does it surpass understanding, it guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, so look at this now. Peace guards you. Peace guards you. The Bible says fear has torment. Fear has torment. I don't know that passage off the top of my head, so I have to look it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you the reference. Um, because anybody that's dealt with that knows that it's a tormenting thing. 1 John 4.18. Anybody that's had to deal with anxiety... Anybody that's had to deal with a a spirit of fear that's attacked you, you know this very clearly. It's a tormenting thing to have to deal with fear and anxiety all the time. The Bible says in verse 18, um, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in Love. The King James says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. Fear has torment. It's a tormenting thing to your mind. If you've ever had to deal with that, if you've ever had to go through that, I've seen people that are constantly having panic attacks, anxiety attacks, fear. That's That's tormenting to your mind. Depression all the time. Suicidal thoughts. That's a torment. That's a torment. And I refuse to be tormented by a spirit of fear, anxiety, heaviness, depression, suicide. I'll not have that in my life. So what will I have instead? I will have the peace of God that surpasses human understanding. And it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I'm telling you, these things produce breakthroughs. When you start praying, God starts answering. And I, I, want, you to, I want you to write that in the comments. When I start praying, God starts answering. When I start praying, God starts answering. 
I'm not going to be able to get through all these today, so I'm going to I'm going to do part two tomorrow, obviously, because we've already gone about an hour. But uh, I'll, I'll go to part two tomorrow. But uh, number one, humble yourself. Number two, holiness. Holiness. And number three, prayer. These things are putting you in position. This is going to be the greatest year you've ever had in Jesus' name. I'm talking to the faithful. I'm not mass prophesying over everybody in the Bible. I know there's people that won't be diligent. I know there's people out there that won't press in. I know there's people out there that won't obey the word. I know there's people out there that will not adhere to what the, uh, uh, even, even their spiritual leadership uh, preaches and teaches and tells them to do. But for the faithful, I'm talking to the victory tribe now. I'm talking to the faithful. It's going to be the best year we've ever had in Jesus' name. It'll not just be the best year. It will blow all the other years away in Jesus' name. When we see the goodness of God, I'm telling you, when, I, when, I hit, when this thing hit my spirit, and we're talking about a year of transformation, transformation, that's our year. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When this thing hit my spirit and I opened up to Psalm 118 and I looked at verse 23, <laughs> it hit me so hard that I knew that I was going to keep my faith right there all year long so, to the point where we're, this, we're going to be declaring Psalm 118:23. Sinners will see us and have to declare. They won't even know they're quoting scripture. They won't even know they're, they're quoting scripture. This is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. One translation says it's marvelous to behold. You know what that means? It's amazing to look at. It's amazing to look at. God did it, and that's amazing to see. You know, so there'll be sinners that'll even see what God's doing in your life and say, man, that had to be God. That's amazing. You're just quoting Psalm 118, 23. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. It's going to be our story. Get ready. When God starts... Uh, hitting this transformation and things start turning in your favor and breakthroughs start happening like you've been praying for and the increase starts coming uh, onto your family and your business and your ministry. People are going to stop and say, man, God did that. God did that. That's the Lord's doing and it's marvelous. It's marvelous in our eyes. Oh, it's going to be marvelous to behold. Wait till we get to December 31st, 2023 and look back over this year and see how much God did in these 12 months. And we're going to sit there and dance and shout and give God praise because it was the Lord's doing and it was marvelous in our eyes. The Lord's doing, marvelous in our eyes. I mean, powerful, absolutely powerful. And so I want to pray for you. That's exactly right, Dean and Brian. Breakthrough popping like popcorn. Amen. Amen. And I want to pray for you because uh, this is going to be our year of transformation. Things you've been believing for, it's going to turn quickly, break through quickly. God's going to answer quickly. <laughs> Janine already gave her testimony. We're, we're not even a full day through the fast yet. And God's already answering prayers. But Father, I pray for the Victory Tribe, those that are watching live, replay, listening on the podcast, whatever it might be. I pray that you strengthen them during this fast. I pray that you keep them in a place of faithfulness and I pray that you'd answer their prayers quickly. Your word, I mean, you're the kind of God in your word you said before you called, I answered you. You have the ability because you're all knowing to begin to answer us even before we call. And so Lord, we thank you. Give us greater faith as we read your word, 
as we listen to uh, your word taught and preached. Let our faith increase. Let us go to a new level in faith and expectation. And you're going to get all the praise and the glory for everything you do. It's your doing, Lord, and it's marvelous in our eyes. We thank you that you're leading us and guiding us by your spirit, by your voice. And we will have the best in 2023. We will see the best for the faithful in Jesus' mighty name. We give you praise for that. We give you glory for that in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.